Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. All right, the owners of the Cleveland Browns, Jimmy and D. Haslam, issued a statement yesterday, and I frankly thought this was a little odd. Let's take a closer look at it. Throughout this process, Deshaun and his representation have abided by the newly created and agreed-upon process for the NFLPA and the NFL to defer to the objective Judge Sue L. Robinson to comprehensively review all information to make a fair decision. We respect Judge Robinson's decision, at the same time empathize and understand that there have been many individuals triggered throughout this process. We know Deshaun is remorseful that this situation has caused much heartache to many, and he will continue to work as needed to show who he is on and off the field, and we will continue to support him. Well, how do they respect the decision of Judge Robinson? Yeah. While at the same time saying she said no that remorse. Deshaun is remorseful yeah. when part of her decision was he's failed to express remorse. Right. I mean, this is one of those situations where people just say whatever they want to say. They say what they want to say, and they think that people aren't going to connect the dots. They think people are too dumb to figure it all out. But I, I think that it's impossible to reconcile that statement. It's impossible to say you respect Judge Robinson's decision, and we know Deshaun Watson has expressed remorse. She found that he didn't. So you don't respect her decision if you disagree with that aspect of it. How can you respect her decision if you're going to throw out one of her key conclusions as to aggravating factors? He failed to express remorse. Right. I think he's failed to express remorse really in the, in the court of public opinion, too. I mean, I, I think that goes like you know, anybody that's been paying attention. You know, I, I think there's a lot of people that feel that way. You know, and even how he tried to explain it, he, you know, he felt sorry that he put you know, teams in this position and all that, but never really took accountability for his actions there. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't love that statement from the Haslams. And here's the other thing, Mike, I'll ask you is just like, well, like you know this isn't over. Why would you even release a statement yet? That's, I guess, what I want to say. Like, you know this is not over. Like, why, why, why even come out with anything definitive when you know – the way this played out, the public outcry, and that Roger Goodell is going to make another decision, why even put yourself out there yet? Why not wait Great till point. it's totally done? Great point. You're daring him. 
They, I believe, yeah. were taking a page from the NFLPA's effort to pressure the league to just let it go. Oh. When they use language by, we abided by the process, objective Judge Robinson, we respect her decision. They, they like the six games, but there's other stuff there that they don't like. I, if I'm Goodell, this pisses me off too. I would think so. This he, they're trying to they're trying to back me into a corner exactly. with this. Right. They're trying they're trying to shame me into respecting Judge Robinson's decision right. when they don't even do it in their own effing statement. That's all I'm saying. Oh my Mike. God! Yeah. If I'm Goodell today, if I'm Goodell. I, I, this is where I can see I the other owners like that That smug SOB, Jimmy Haslam with that stupid. That's where I can see the other owners getting in Rodgers' ear and like, hey, we got to teach this freaking guy a lesson. He's clueless. I, I mean, that's, I, 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 I just would love to hear some of these conversations. <laughs> I will never be confused with anyone who has an affinity for always taking the side of the league office and always on team shield. I love the NFL, but I try to hold the league office accountable to do things the right way to live up to the ideals that were kind of brainwashed into me when I was a kid watching NFL films. I've said that before. Sorry, NFL NFL films did its job. I was led to believe that the NFL is something, you know, bigger that should be on a pedestal. And I'm, a lot of things I'm with the NFL you. Does yeah. Art. Yeah, but I used to get made fun this, of by players, Mike. I mean, literally get made fun of by people in the locker room because I was that guy in the locker room. You know, I mean, I grew up around the NFL. All things were positive, and I always kind of sided with the NFL more times than not when I first got in the league. I just thought, man, it's perfect. This is awesome. We're so grateful. It's an honor and a privilege, Mike. All of those things, and I used to get shouted down all the time in the locker room. And of course, as I started to learn more and, and see more of what was going on, I didn't quite feel as strongly as, as time went on. On this point, I find myself, I don't want to say rooting. I just, I find myself fascinated because I know what's going to happen when dad gets home for dinner. (laughs) I know daddy's going to kill Ralphie. I know what's coming. I know it. I know it. It's all there. And so many miscalculations have been made. This statement from Brown's ownership, they've owned the team for 10 years. Have they not figured out? how to deal with the commissioner? Have they not figured out how to use discretion? Have they not figured out it's probably not a good idea to poke the bear, especially on a day when the bear is already pissed off yeah, he's being about only getting six games for Deshaun Watson and now having to figure out the best plan for fixing this, and you're being dared by the owner of the Browns? You're being shamed by the owner of the Browns into not exercising your appeal rights. This is, this, this is, oh man, th- this is going to get ugly. This is going to get ugly. Uh, I'm not rooting for it to get ugly. I'm just saying, based upon what I know of how the sausage is made, there's going to be some ugly sausage coming out of that meat grinder. And th- this statement from the Haslam's is going to, is going to motivate that end result. Chris, you think we're going to hear something tomorrow, like tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, you think this drags on a little bit? You know, I know they have to one, appeal by Thursday morning, right? They don't necessarily. Yeah, one I'm, thing that was pointed out to me was that the parties can agree to extend it. And I'd like to think that the league would approach the NFLPA because it's in their mutual efforts to kick this can until next week. Yeah. Let's just agree that Tuesday 
of next week is when we have to decide whether or not the appeal is going to proceed. And if the NFLPA says no, then Thursday's the deadline. And then but, Mike Florio's on the pregame show for the Hall of Fame game talking about it. So that's probably why they'd like to extend that thing till Tuesday. <laughs> I have a feeling I have a feeling we're going to be talking about it anyway. Yeah, whether I know. They extend it I to know. Tuesday or not. Well, we might spend more but, time on it. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. But but the whole but no, the the whole story dominates the day. Yeah. If the appeal is filed Thursday morning on the day of the Hall of Fame game, there's your talking point, not football is back tonight. No doubt. The talking point is the NFL has exercised its prerogative to appeal the decision made by the independent and objective judge. How dare they disregard this decision that the NFLPA respects and the Haslam's respect and you should respect Roger Goodell. I mean, that's what it all is. Hey, we respect it because we like it. You should respect it too. And it's, it's just, it's, it's hypocritical for the Browns. They, yes, they like the outcome, but have they really paid attention to how she got there? If they had, they wouldn't be saying they fully respect the decision of Judge Robinson. And I, th- I just think it's when, when the light bulb goes off for Goodell the way that it went off for me a little bit ago as we started talking through this, he's going to be pissed. And he I, should I be. Think, I, I mean, listen, I, I thought that was one of the weirdest things about yesterday. You know, again, I think it went in like, whoa, only six games. I'm a little surprised by that. Whoa. Reading some of these paragraphs and the conclusion don't read like six games. Wait, what the hell's going on here? And then I started to go, why the hell are the Cleveland Browns releasing a statement when they know that the NFL is going to review this and Goodell's going to have something else to say here? You know, it just it didn't make sense to me. And it seems a little bit, you know, yeah, just uh, what, what do I want to say? Just not knowing, you know, not being able to read the room and understand Goodell and the NFL and the way things work that way and the way the media machine works and all of that. You know, what's he going to do? He's going to come out with another statement, you know, a few days from now from when Roger Goodell does release a new suspension. Uh, just awkward. Definitely awkward. But this is what happens when you put the desire to win over everything else. Yeah, right. Sold when your soul. desire to get a franchise quarterback, you sell your soul, and now th- this is one of the byproducts of it. you got to do what you can to get your guy on the field. So you're going to back up the decision of Judge Robinson. You're going to participate in the NFLPA's ruse to try to get the commissioner to accept the decision, try to build some public opinion along those lines, making it more complicated. That's why he's going to be pissed. You're complicating my life. Yeah. I'm already caught in a spot where – I'm going to be perceived as being too lenient with this guy, even though Judge Robinson found he did it. I'm going to be perceived as being too lenient for a guy who was found to have done it, and now you're trying to shame me into accepting her assessment that it should only be six games. It's My, my life is hard enough, Jimmy, without you putting this pressure on me. I expect it from the union. I don't expect expect it from one of the members of this, of this uh, very exclusive club. The National Organization of Women posted a statement online yesterday about the uh, the situation. The headline, the NFL must stop enabling predators like Deshaun Watson. It is unacceptable, insulting, and dangerous, but not surprising that Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson will face merely a six-game suspension with no fines following an investigation into allegations of sexual misconduct made by more than two dozen women. And again, that's where court of public opinion parts ways with court of Sue Robinson. It wasn't two dozen. It was four. But a lot of people aren't going to understand that distinction and uh, the statement goes on we'll post a link to the whole thing at pft but this is an example of the kind of public pressure that roger goodell is going to be under to increase the suspension so on one hand he's under pressure to increase it on the other hand he's he's caught in this game with the nflpa and the browns on respecting and accepting judge robinson's decision i there's way more pressure on one side i i 
I, I have a feeling Roger Goodell's pissed a lot of times because he doesn't have that. You know, he's got a job that that puts him in a lot of of issues that are conducive to people getting upset. Yeah, this is one where I can understand why he'd be upset. Yeah, uh, agreed too. And I and you know I I do feel like there's a a ton more pressure on you know the side of public opinion right now than to you know, adhere to Judge Robinson or make Jimmy Haslam feel good or Deshaun Watson or whoever. You know, that That's where, ooh, I don't know where this goes. The NFL's made great progress in these discussions and, and, and getting a, the, the female audience to be more involved in the NFL. I mean, it's, it's as good as I've ever seen it. You know, I got female friends, fantasy football, everything. I mean, it, we're, we're hiring – you know, female coaches, female front office employees, things are going all in the right direction. The NFL is making progress. And I feel like if they come out weak on this one, you know, it's, it's going to look like they took a step back in, in all that progress. And I don't necessarily think that's the best look for the NFL either. Sometimes the answer really is hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Unless the NFL asked for a full season suspension as part of a ploy to get Judge Robinson to impose more of a suspension than she otherwise would have. You know, you ask for a lot and you settle for part of what you'll want. Yeah. You know, if you ask for 10, maybe you're getting four. If you ask for 17, maybe you're getting six, that kind of thing. Unless that game was being played here, we know what the NFL wants. And the NFL has the right to appeal to the NFL, to the guy whose name is on every football, to make the final decision. And we know that the league that Roger Goodell runs – wants a full-season suspension. Now the league can appeal to Roger Goodell, and the league that Roger Goodell runs wants a full-season suspension. That decision at some point comes from Roger Goodell, and he's the one who's going to decide the appeal. Again, sometimes it's pretty freaking obvious where this is going to go. And my big question a day ago, before we had this, was will there be factual findings that tie his hands and keep him from saying six becomes 17 to go back to what we talked about earlier. There's nothing there that ties his hands. That's why I, the more we talk about it, the more I think it's going to be. So unless there's something I'm missing and it's entirely possible because it always seems like there's something I'm missing, but on this, I don't think there's anything we're missing, Chris. No, I don't think so. Either. I think it's, I think it's going to be unless he, unless he says last year counted as a suspension and I'm taking his 10 million and does a hybrid. I, I think they're going to get what they asked for. They're, they're, they're going to see him sit out all of the the 2022 season because ultimately they control it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't and be Maybe shocked. it goes to court, and maybe they get lucky. You know, they Tom Brady initially won before he lost. Ezekiel Elliott initially won before he lost. But I think the precedent from those two cases, they can try. They can try. They can huff and puff, but I don't think they're blowing the NFL's house down on this. They ultimately didn't do it with uh, Brady or Elliott. And I don't I, – and, and, you know, those cases are different, but – Again, this is an unprecedented set of allegations. This is something we never could have dreamed up. How could the NFL have anticipated to have something like this spelled out in the personal conduct policy? That if you, if you use the fact that you're a quarterback in the NFL to go get private massages and you try to make those into sexual encounters with women who aren't interested – you get suspended X number of games. How are they supposed to foresee that? Yeah. This I is know. a situation where I, I kind of understand why they want to make it up as they go. Yeah. It, this, this isn't like coming up with a good rule for dealing with blown calls of pass interference because you can at least foresee that. You can't really foresee this. 
Not at all. No, I mean it, it's a tough one to cover, and you know that's it's that's where, you know, I, I'm 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 like you. I'm not totally against the NFL kind of making it up as they go, for lack of a better way to say it. I don't. You're right. This is different, and I just man, the, I, what I keep thinking about too, Mike, is just the Browns and where they're at right now. I mean, man, the the poor football team. I mean, do you think that this distraction, there's got to be a part of them that wants to be like, got to be like, man, Roger Goodell, make a decision so we can move on with life because that's all that's being talked about in the cafeteria, the locker room, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I just, I can't imagine trying to focus on football all the time with this type of circus surrounding the organization all the time. Man, Kevin Stefanski, has got his work cut out for him this year. Well, I think initially yesterday there would have been a sense in the organization that we finally know it's going to be six games. Yeah. The day went on. That's when you start realizing yeah, this ain't over we're yet. not quite sure. Here's right. Kevin Stefanski from yesterday talking about the Deshaun Watson suspension and the plan at quarterback in his absence, however long that may be. We have a plan, uh, certainly for practice. As we get closer to the preseason games, we'll, we'll make some decisions as it relates to that. Uh, but my understanding is that he can play in the preseason games. As you can imagine, we're dealing with some uncertainties, and, and that's okay. That's, that's life uh, for a football team oftentimes. So uh, we have a couple different uh, plans, and, and we're going to stick to it again in, until we have more information. Multiple different plans. See, he, he understands. And I, I read his transcript yesterday. He hadn't read the decision, and I know he's otherwise working, but it, it's very useful when you show up for a press conference, when you're going to be asked about the decision to be able to say truthfully, I haven't read it. Not, not a bad strategy because you can't get asked a lot of specific questions if all you say, and you can truthfully say, I haven't read it. But I think he understands there's a chance six is going to change and they're going to need to have a different plan. And that's what that, – that, yeah, I know they're reportedly not interested in Jimmy Garoppolo, but if he's out for the full season, Chris, I think the analysis changes. It's one thing to have Jacoby Brissett for six – is, is Jacoby Brissett your guy for 17? I don't know. And when he says multiple plans, I can't help but think, do they have multiple plans that include acquiring someone else to play quarterback if the worst-case scenario for the Browns happens and they don't have Watson at all this year? Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I understand. I mean, it is, it is a – you know, you look at Cleveland, like we've talked about a lot, the roster's phenomenal. I mean, it's one of the better rosters in the game. There's no doubt about that. But I do believe them that they are going to continue to go forward with Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett – is definitely one of the best backups in football. I mean, in the Chris Sims top 40, he was, you know, definitely one of the three top names that got left out of there. He's experienced. He's been coached well, you know, got, got to play and learn up in New England, you know, got to play in Indianapolis, did some good things there, you know, hurt his knee that year, and that kind of threw him off, but it wasn't bad play. And then, you know, even in the last year in Miami, so he's a guy that understands how to manage the game he can make a few throws. He can stand in the pocket. You see he's a big, strong guy. And I think Cleveland looks at it and just goes, wait, wait, wait. We got enough confusing things going on in our organization. Let's just stand pat with the guys we got. We got a good team. We might have to play a different style of football to a degree compared to Watson and Brissett. But I feel like even though we say the Garoppolo thing and that seems good, I, I feel like it's going to cause more problems at the end of the day there for a team that – you know, needs to, to limit its problems and get back on just football and not all these other outside issues. But if you know you're not going to have Deshaun Watson for the full year, 
I think I think that you that's, think that's the changer. That's the changer. That the fact where it goes from six to seventeen. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I, and 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 also, I don't think the Browns want to be in a position where they're hijacked by the 49ers to give up dramatically more than what they got for Baker Mayfield. That's not a good look either. And I think that's one of the reasons why they've been putting out the idea well, they don't want Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe well, they get yeah. maybe they get lucky to the extent there's any good luck for the Browns in this. If they don't find out they're going to be without Watson for the full season until after Garoppolo is cut by the 49ers, then you just go sign Garoppolo. That, that's right. And I think that I'm not sure that I'm not sure it's going to line up that way. No, I don't know if it lines up that way either. But, you know, one if if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, we know he'd like his 25 million, but I don't think like I don't think the Browns are going to take that on. I mean, not not right now. No way. So, after that, okay, wait, that's not going to happen. If you're Jimmy Garoppolo and why we're going down this road, all right, so now where's a team that I could go, and if I do play, I can be set up and have talent around me to set myself up for the next year and being a starting quarterback somewhere. That's where, like, if he's not uh, traded, like, uh, for the quarterback, the player, I would think Cleveland's going to be at the top of the list there for those reasons. Go, man, you know, I can get there. I kind of – it's a similar somewhat offense as far as the West Coast offense in Shanahan – and he'll be able to play that running game, not going to have to throw it 40 times a game and carry a team that way. Uh, I mean, that, that I would think would be on the top of his list if, if it comes to that. The Browns open the season at the Carolina Panthers. And the one thing that we know is that Deshaun Watson won't be playing in, in that, that game. Yeah. Here's Baker Mayfield, the former Browns quarterback, talking about the fact that he won't see the Browns' new quarterback in week one when Cleveland comes to town? Honestly, it's none of my business. Um, I don't play against the other quarterback. I know it's the most cliche thing to say, but that's just the truth. Uh, when it comes down to it, I'm game planning against their defense. Um, and if I'm playing or not, I'm trying to help this team win. And that's my mindset going into it, so i got to keep getting better. But I'm not focused about week one right now. Um, you know, working, working on each day, each install, and continuing to get better. Uh, and we'll handle that when it comes. But for now, it's, it's about getting the Panthers better and our offense continuing to get better as well. And, you know, it, it's, it is cliche, but sometimes cliche or cl- it's right it's cliche for a reason. It's yeah. obvious. It's the obvious answer. And, and it kind of flashed through my mind a minute or two ago that is there a way that Watson plays week one if the NFL suspends him for a year and then they go to court and they win like Tom Brady did? But even then, they're accepting the six-game suspension. The question would be whether or not he comes back week seven. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think you go to court and end up with some sort of preliminary injunction that allows Deshaun Watson to keep going and the six games begins at some point later. I don't think that would happen. I think it's a given he's going to miss the first six games because the NFLPA has said they're not going to appeal. And I think they're sufficiently happy with yesterday's decision that they aren't going to appeal it. So, uh, again, she found that he did it. What would you appeal? Uh, he, He did it. He shouldn't be suspended at all. There's nothing to appeal there. So the first six weeks... No Deshaun Watson. The question is, week seven and beyond, will we see him? That's something the commissioner is going to have to decide. And and that removes some of the urgency, I think. I hadn't thought of it that way. But if we know, if we accept that he's not going to play the first six weeks, this really doesn't become relevant until week seven. Now, yeah. it does become relevant to Cleveland's plan. Are we doing a six-game absence, or are we doing a contingency plan based on a full season? But beyond that, it really doesn't matter until they play the Ravens on October the 23rd. Yeah, you're, I guess you're right. Yeah, they got, they got some time here. 
They do, and it doesn't matter what happens either way. Deshaun Watson's going to be playing in the preseason. You're going to see him in a Cleveland Browns uniform getting reps and doing that. So that's where it'll be interesting. And I do wonder, Mike, to your point, if it does get changed to a full-year suspension, if they would maybe think about some other options at quarterback. I do. I, I do feel like they they got this room that they got with Brissett and Josh Dobbs, you know, for the case of, you know, a, a, a big-time 12, 14, 17-game suspension. You know, those are guys that, you know, Dobbs, he's played a little. You know, he's a good athlete. And he can manage a game to a degree, and that's why they got Jacoby Brissett. But the Garoppolo thing is interesting to me, Mike. It is. But here's one other thing I wanted to say about it. I guess this is where I would be scared if I'm Cleveland. I mean, you're guaranteed to Deshaun Watson. But what if you get Jimmy Garoppolo? He comes in there, and all of a sudden, you know, like we've talked about before with Jimmy Garoppolo, it seems like this is three years in a row. He goes to the playoffs, right? The Cleveland's in the playoffs. He's played good. Man, the city like latches on to Jimmy and his GQ looks and he's so handsome and you know he's from that part of the country and look at this guy and now you know man let's just keep Jimmy G we're we're turned off by Deshaun Watson the hell with him we don't need him I mean that to me I guess would be the thing I would worry about a little bit if if I was running the Browns organization that something like that could happen I think he'll take care of that at some point. I think that problem resolves itself at some point in the postseason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's Deshaun Watson, not I an know. unproven Trey Lance. Yeah. It's Deshaun Watson ready to go. But a point you've made in the past, if he ends up being suspended for the full year, he will have gone two years without playing. Woo. He ain't going to be really the Deshaun knows where Watson. He is. Exactly. He ain't going to be the Deshaun yeah. Watson we remembered, at least not at first. That's for sure. All right, let's take a break. When we return, we're going to hear more from Baker Mayfield about the quarterback competition, and there apparently is one in Carolina. We'll discuss that next on this Tuesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. feel a lot better from from day one that's for sure and uh, you know hoping to keep striving and making each step each day and then moving forward I mean everything's extremely transparent I and mean, they're, they're telling us exactly how they're handling it and it's it's not being said to to one person and then Sam's hearing another thing it's it's right in front of us and so it's clear and concise this offense is uh, one of those that everybody's gonna be on the same page and when you can do that and you have all of it on the same page great things happen and uh, I'm thankful to, to have that after you know, bouncing around a little bit in different offenses, and to, to have this one, it's it's a good one for me. Baker Mayfield saying all the right things about the quarterback competition in Carolina. I'd like to attach him to a lie detector test, though, because look, he's the guy that needs to make up ground, and he's splitting first team reps with Sam Darnold. Hard to make up ground and get ready for Week One if you're not the guy. And I don't know what they told him when they convinced him to give up. $3 million in salary that he's going to be able to earn back in incentives about being the starter. But I, 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 I admire the fact that we've yet to see any flash of frustration from Baker, Chris, because I, I'd kind of be 
a little antsy about not getting myself ready for week one because we're still trying to figure out who the quarterback is going to be week one. Yeah, no. I mean, unfortunately, that's the position he's in. That ain't going to change. It's not. Now, I think he can have like a little bit of peace of mind at night going, wait, they, they, this team really wanted me. They, they, they tried to get me, and we were talking about trades for a while. So there's something there to that. You know, after seeing, like we've talked about Sam Darnold in the spring and all last year, they were still like, hey, please, uh, we'd like to get Baker Mayfield. So there's obviously some people in that building on his side, you know, no doubt about that. And Baker Mayfield, the one thing I love about him, I mean, he, he doesn't, he's not going to run for some, run from some competition or a fight here. He, he embraces it. And I think he is fully aware of the situation he's in. And it's good to hear that, you know, things are being very honest and transparent. Because that is the worst, you know, when you're in that type of situation. You know, you wonder, wait, are they kind of telling this guy one thing and me something else? And I kind of had that with Major Applewhite in, in Texas at one point where, you know, they'd kind of tell us what, how much we might play or do whatever. And then I'd get in the hotel room the night before the game and I'd realize that they told Major something a little different. And I still resent the Texas coaches for that. For that. And for that, I say, screw them. But I, it bothers me to this day because I just didn't feel like it wasn't honest all the way. But, you know, to have this and have the team go in the right direction, all of that, yeah, the coach has to be honest with both sides here. The players are seeing what's going on, so you can't BS the situation. Matt Rule, the coach of the Panthers, said last week the team is nowhere near the point of making any decisions. Obviously, the sooner they do, the sooner they can start getting that guy ready for week one. It will definitely be awkward, though. If when the Browns go to Carolina to start the season, Baker Mayfield is standing on the sidelines watching Sam Darnold, that would be very, very weird and unexpected given that when the trade was done, we all just assumed Baker Mayfield would win the job. And I still expect him to, Chris. Yeah, I do too. I just am, I'm a little surprised that, that he's got to work for it this hard. And this may be about convincing the locker room, I think that's Robbie Anderson's of the right. world, right. that Baker Mayfield's the better option. I think that's exactly it. You know, don't anoint him king yet, especially when you know he doesn't know the offense like the other guy, and that we might anoint him the king, and then he makes a few mental mistakes or says something wrong in the huddle, and everybody's like, wait, wait this guy's not ready to go yet. So uh, I think your point is very real. I know we discuss that all the time. They're, they're going to make it look like he earned it. You know, it's still early in camp. There's no big deal here. There's no rush. But uh, I'm with you. I'd be shocked if he's not the starter. And I would think, you know, at some point in the next two to three weeks, we start to hear some of that come out of Carolina. In Tampa Bay, we know that Tom Brady is the starting quarterback. But one way to keep him the starting quarterback is to keep him healthy. He has lost his starting center, Ryan Jensen. We still don't have a final diagnosis or prognosis, but he's bad leg out injury. At least until November or December with a knee problem. Here is Brady talking about the fact that he won't have the center of his offensive line. He's, uh, he's worked really hard. Um, obviously, everyone's uh, heartbroken with what happened to Ryan, so um, that'll take a little time, but Haynes got to you know, step into the job and do a great job. So he's worked hard last year, really gained the trust of a lot of people. And, um, you know, he's got to go earn it. So like all of us, uh, you know, it's not what you did, how hard you worked in the offseason. It's, you know, how good of a football player are you? So that's to be determined for all of us. Haynes is Robert Hainsey, who was a rookie last year. Notre Dame. From Notre Dame. Right. And look, if they – it, it, it's we see this all the time. Starter goes down. 
They really love the backup. Well, you know what? If you loved him that much, you would have let Ryan Jansen go to Cincinnati on a three-year, $39 million contract, and you wouldn't have scrambled to put together the cap dollars to keep him if you really love the other guy and you're ready to move on to him. You're only doing it out of necessity, and so there's clearly a drop-off. And Brady knows it, and Brady knows the stakes here. Heat up the middle. That's how you hurt Tom Brady. And you got left guard, right guard, and center. I don't mean hurt physically. You know what I mean? That's yeah. how you, you right. limit his game. You got left guard, right guard, and center from last year gone. Yeah. With Jensen injured. So it's not going to be easy for him. No, it's not. Shaq Mason's there to take one of those spots, but he's the only proven commodity now as far as the interior protection goes. You're right. So that's an, it's an issue there. There's no doubt. And – you know, hey, Robert Hansey, I have his experience being around him a little bit when, when I was, you know, working Notre Dame games for, for NBC and doing that. He's smart, you know, coming from Notre Dame. I think he's going to be able to understand and do all the things mentally that are asked of a center. There's no doubt. But, you know, to your point, Ryan Jensen's really good. I mean, he's definitely one of the best centers in football. He's a tone setter, too, and an ass kicker. And you could see there, like, Brady was – you know, um, he was hurt or uncomfortable. I, I think for a quarterback, other than losing your favorite receiver, the next thing that's worse for a quarterback is to lose your center, especially when he's a good one like that. Because center, this day and age, with all the different defensive tackle types, there's the Fletcher Cox of the world, and then there's Aaron Donald the next week. So the center has to be a special specimen, let alone, you know, a guy that, can almost be thinking with you at the same time, right, Mike? You know, you see Brady doing this. Trust me, Ryan Jensen's talking too. He's talking to the line. He's even saying stuff to Brady. And then, of course, there's the comfort spot of where that hand goes and all of that. There is something to that. So Brady's going to be a little uncomfortable at first, and this is going to be a work in progress. Yep, the old Especially in Tampa. The old swamp ass is he's going to get the Robert Hainsey funk going on now. <laughs> um, and, and you mentioned Jensen – just the attitude. Yeah. It seems like he's 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 into it with somebody every game all the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and that's that attitude. I remember when Jim Mora the younger referred when he was I think the Seahawks coach to the idea that you want to have dirt bags as offensive linemen and he doesn't mean that in a in a pejorative way, just guys who are rough and tumble who will get in your face, who won't take crap and and it's it's a little bit of intimidation. Yeah. That, that is inherent to a sport that is premised on physical contact and, and consensual violence between grown men. No, no, no question. And, you know, as we talk about you know, all the time, defensive linemen are usually, you know, the more aggressive, crazy guy. So when you have that from the offensive line that can match it, there is something to that. There is. You know, I know I've made the, the comment to you before that defense alignment are like bulls and offense alignment are like kind of cows and they kind of just want to eat the grass in the pasture and they're going to hang there unless you put a poker, you know, on their butt and they all of a sudden they get going. Well, Ryan Jensen's kind of the poker, I feel like, for, for that offensive line where he gives them an edge. He gets them all pissed off. He is the one that's like, Brady's getting hit too much. Let's go, guys. So th there's, there's a big loss there. There's no doubt. Not only an attitude, you know, but the player himself is physically gifted and really damn good. I mean, really, the biggest name so far in training camp that has been lost for the year, and I think the implications need to be fully appreciated. It is going to be difficult for the Buccaneers to do what they want to do offensively without Ryan Jensen 
in the fold. And he won't be back until November at the earliest, maybe out for the full season. Let's take a break. Peter King caught up with Bengals receiver Jamar Chase yesterday in Cincinnati. You'll see some of that and plenty more when this Tuesday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford did not throw it all in the offseason, eventually had an anti-inflammatory injection in his throwing elbow. Everything had been fine the first week of camp, and then yesterday, out of the blue, Sean McVay says that we lessened uh, Matthew's workload. Really, when we look at it, we've got five weeks until September 8. He's still feeling a little bit of pain. He could push through it. That, to me, is an alarm, and we've been monitoring this Chris, he threw 40 to 50 passes in individual drills yesterday, but no team drills to protect the arm. He hadn't thrown it all the day before. A little bit of pain. Shouldn't be feeling any pain at this stage of the game. When you don't throw it all during the offseason, you've been in camp for a week, pre-existing inflammation in the elbow. It's just one of those things where if you're a Rams fan, if you're a fan of great quarterback play, you sit back and you say, Is he going to be able to make it through the whole season with this? Yeah. He's tough as hell. I mean, we know he can play through injury. But, yeah, it's a little scary. I mean, I think you laid it out the right way. It's been a full offseason. He hasn't thrown much at all. It seemed like we were kind of out of the woods with this conversation, and now they took him out of, you know, the uncontrollable circumstances in practice where, you know, hey, it's a team setting. I might try to throw this one in there and really uncork it. Oh, man, my arms hurt. So they let him do individual because he could throw balls like we saw right there. He could throw them at his own pace. He didn't have to put a little extra mustard in it because of the coverage and all that. So I'm there with you, Mike, and I got to think, you know, again, it's it's Dr. Sims here a little bit. There's got to be more than the elbow here. You know, we're getting into, okay, we've treated the elbow for 12 months now. There's something more. There's a muscle shut off. There's some other issue that's putting more pressure on the elbow, but they got to investigate this more for sure. It, It is a little concerning. And yeah, you got some new players at receiver. You just, you got an injury at receiver. You know, you need your quarterback out there, you know, to to get the continuity going and things like that. I know he's played a lot of football, and it's not going to take him long. But but I'm with you. There is a level of concern for the Super Bowl champs there. And pain is a warning from the body. Yes. Pain is a message. You're doing something that isn't good. You're doing something that's going to cause a problem. And it's just been three years ago that Ben Roethlisberger – Elbow discomfort, elbow discomfort, elbow discomfort. And what happened week two of the season against the Seahawks? There it went, makes a throw during a game, and there it goes. And he has to have surgery, and he's done for the year. So the elbow, fairly important. Chris, I'll defer to you since you were a quarterback, I've heard. Yeah. I'd say the elbow is pretty important. It is. Of course it is. And for a guy like him who we know is – throws so many different angles and doesn't always use his body correctly, so he puts pressure on that arm to make plays, you know, independently without the proper technique all the time. And, yeah, Mike, I've dealt with this before, you know, little spats of it here and there. And more times or not, yeah, I start. you start to find out, like, oh, I had another issue here. It wasn't really my elbow. It was I got hit by a helmet right underneath my arm pad, and this muscle's been shut off because it got crushed a bunch of times in the game. So now when I come through the follow-through, this ain't working, and now the elbow's working. There's a lot of things like that. But, again, where it's a little weird in the NFL and all of that is it's a billion-dollar business, billion-dollar organizations, and they don't always have the most cutting-edge 
technology uh, when it comes to rehab and figuring out some of these issues. And I'm, I'm, I am. I'm shocked that we're still at this point and they're still talking about this. The Rams have done a good job of keeping their star players heavy. Yes, they have. Healthy, excuse me. We've talked about how top-heavy the organization is from a cap standpoint, and they, they can't afford to start losing their best players because then you have a bunch of cheaper, unproven guys who get thrust into service. It works for the Rams when they have to do it, but I'd say it's a significant drop-off from Matthew Stafford down to John Wolford if that is ultimately what would occur at some point this season. Or just the idea that he can't practice on a – continuous basis yeah. so isn't as prepared for Sunday as he otherwise could be Allen Robinson new receiver there not getting properly acclimated right. they get ready to right. take on the bills in in five weeks in two days so it's 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 just an issue it's there's always something to worry about for any team but a Super Bowl champion that has pretty much held the team together you got an an injury question with your starting quarterback and it's just something to keep an eye on yeah guy keep an eye on and, and a guy that you know, let's be honest I mean he got the shit beat out of him his whole career I mean yeah hello London yes I mean unbelievably to so much point to where we just expected it we kind of swept it under the rug we were just like ah so what it's Detroit they can't run they can't protect well yeah Stafford will make something happen so yeah he's his body is it's it's paid the price to a degree um, but yeah, that that makes it intriguing, and you know, the Bills we know they're they're Super Bowl favorites and all that. But yeah, you need Stafford out there, and you know they they got Van Jefferson hurt yesterday as well. So that's where you get scared a little bit as far as you know their team and being top heavy. To your point, Jefferson had been a mysterious absence from practice yesterday. Sean McVay said that he is going to have. excuse me, minor knee surgery. And I never liked that term because minor means any surgery not performed on me or anyone I care about. (laughs) Minor, because surgery is still surgery. But his status for week one against the Bills is up in the air after undergoing knee surgery. And yeah, I still wonder when, I know OBJ is probably not going to be ready to go week one, but I just, I just, it's just so quiet. Everyone's back in camp and there's no talk at all about Odo Beckham Jr. Well, it's, it's sad because he was, he was pretty damn good with the Rams last year, and you and I agree he would have been the Super Bowl MVP. He was on track to be the way he was performing early in that game. No doubt. The Rams coaches think he would have been the MVP. I've talked to a number of them after the game, and they're like, oh, it's a shame. He was, he was going to be the MVP. The way they were playing us, he was going to go off. So it's, that's thought throughout the organization. I don't know if you saw this, Mike, the other day. There was, you know, they, got, they were flirting together a little the other day, so there was that. McVay, I think, made a comment on the NFL Network about Odell Beckham Jr. and all the things he brought to the team and all that. And I know Odell retweeted it and wrote something like, that's my dog or whatever and all that. So, again, I certainly think they're in the leader house, as the wise people say, uh, to be the front runner for Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> I just feel like they're doing enough to keep the fish on the line, but they're not ready to reel him in. Yeah, I, it does seem you know? like that right now. Yeah, and I'm sure he's not ready yet. So they're like, you know, take your time, get healthy, and you know, there's no rush. But I would think they're going to be the team that's probably most informed of his health status uh, compared to the rest of the NFL. And look, the last time around when he toured the ACL against the Bengals in Cincinnati, week six, I believe, of the 2020 season, it was 11 months before he was cleared. So he may not be a guy who can help a team until the postseason, but we saw what he could do last year down the stretch for the Rams, and maybe he'll be back with the Rams before it's all said and done. Let's take a break. When we return, we were going to do this yesterday, but things got a little screwy with the Deshaun Watson ruling. Bill Russell, one of the most influential figures in all of sports, and particularly in basketball, passed on Sunday. We're going to do a draft in honor of him by looking at the most influential figures 
in NFL history. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. The sports world lost a legend over the weekend, former Celtic great Bill Russell. He was a trailblazer both on and off the court. Another Boston legend, Tom Brady, was asked about Bill Russell on Monday. Here's what Tom Brady had to say. Yeah, I knew him pretty well. You know, I had a lot of time up there in Boston and got to got to know him. And he was a very impactful figure, um, even back to my early days with the Patriots. You know, my second year training camp, he came and spoke to our team and um, really an imposing figure. You know, he had a great just a great presence about him. And um, obviously what he overcame in his career was pretty unbelievable. And uh, it was a sad day. Just one of those guys that just felt like he'd always be around. Like, you know, like, you know, like my entire like lifetime. Like the wise wizard. Hear about Bill. Yeah, like he's just always going to be here. Yeah. And that's what was it. It didn't want to register for me on Sunday when I saw the announcement that was made by his family because it's just you've always heard it like in hushed tones about Bill Russell and what he meant to sport. And he was in his heyday really before I was born. And I was too young to be paying attention to basketball then, but 11 titles and two as a player coach and greatness all around and and also a great member of the community uh, and a leader in many, many ways. So given the impact that he had on the NBA, let's do a little draft today on the most influential figures in NFL history. Chris, I will give you, as I always do, for the most part, the first pick. You're a nice guy. You really are. Um, I think uh, it's hard, actually, to find a guy – or just at least a player that I think fits that role of Bill Russell in the NFL. Maybe we don't have as many of those type of guys, but like you said, Russell's special. The times, the 60s, you know, African-American, the city of Boston, the way he handled himself professionally on and off the court, very special that way. I'm going to go with Jim Brown to be that guy. Jim Brown's the first guy that came to my mind when I thought about, wait, who's that guy in the NFL? Jim Brown has been, you know, at the forefront of – you know, some of the culture issues we've had in our country, certainly. And I still think, you know, Jim Brown is the the first really famous African-American NFL football player where it was just like, man, uh, this guy is different and he's special and he's playing at another level than the rest of us here. So, you know, there's, there's so much he has done on the field for being special there in Cleveland, but the activist he was off the field – I think is he's really the only guy I think that can maybe even rival Russell as far as that's concerned in the NFL. And he walked away with gas in the tank. Right. He walked away from the game when he still had plenty left, <laughs> and he was just unstoppable. Those highlights, just incredible. It was man among boys stuff, the way that he played the game of football and the impact that he had. And Look, I, I'm looking at it more broadly influential, and the NFL has been around more than 100 years, and – I remember this from late last year when he passed John Madden, the fact that he influenced in so many different ways as a Super Bowl winning coach, as the greatest broadcaster of all time, as the name and the face. And he'll be on the cover of this year's version of the the video game that for a lot of kids is a great way to learn about football. Yeah, I mean, I. I was talking to somebody about this not long ago. And, you know, just the idea that kids play those games, they understand routes, they understand coverages, they go to seven-on-seven camps, and they know what to do. They know that it's all 
baked into them from the moment they first start playing Madden. And they see, you know, there's a lot of real defenses and real offenses in there. And you learn the game in a way that we never had an opportunity to learn it growing up. At least I didn't. I mean, you had a <laughs> Super Bowl winning quarterback in your house. Mm-hmm. But from my perspective, just watching it on TV and getting the electric football game and, and you know, lining all the pieces up and turning it on and watching them spin around in a circle. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm with you there. I mean, he would have been – if I didn't take J- Jim Brown first, I, I would have taken John Madden. He would have been the guy. So I'm, I'm, I think you're right on. I mean, yeah, what he did announcing, you know, of course coaching. And then I think, that, like you said, the biggest influence he had really is, you know, the, the game itself, the, the video game. And just, you know, bringing young kids and making the game more fun and more relatable to the players and all that, uh, very special influence on the history of the NFL. No question about that with with John Madden. Um, This is where it gets tough because I got a lot of names, but I'm not sure if I know any of them really jump out maybe more than the other. I think the guy I'm going to go with next, though, is, is Vince Lombardi. I am. I mean, I just think overall, I know maybe he didn't have quite the you know, effect on American culture, maybe like a Jim Brown and being an activist that way. But I do think I stand corrected. I do think he had an effect on American culture in a lot of ways. You know, he became the poster child of, hey, football, hey, your coach is going to yell at you, but you got to work as a team and it's all getting better. It's all about getting better. And I mean, I know my high school coach, you know, Mike Miello, you know, an Italian-American, he, he, he had pride about, you know, being like Vince Lombardi and approaching that way. Lombardi had so many influences on the game, let alone, hey, just the establishment of that the NFL was better than the AFL in the first two Super Bowls, the dynasty there, putting Green Bay, Wisconsin on the map, and then really being, Mike, here's another one, the first offensive mind as the Green Bay sweep, right, Mike? The Green Bay sweep. They were the first team to go, wait, wait, we want to run the Green Bay sweep every week. So we got to start to figure out how we're going to change the blocking according to the team we're going to play. And they were the first team to really make calls at the line of scrimmage. Hey, do this, do that. So they could run the play that they wanted to and that they had mastered. So that's where I look at him as having a lot of influence in some different ways. I've got to go with George Hallis next, mm. just because I don't know that there would be an NFL yeah. without George Hallis. Yeah. When you consider all the years he spent as player, coach, owner of the Bears, one of the founding fathers of the National Football League, coached into his into his seventies, I believe, uh, just unbelievable figure. Not seventies, maybe maybe mid to late sixties, and I think for him. It was, and I remember looking this up, trying to figure out how long Bill Belichick can do it. He got to the point where he just couldn't move on the sideline. He couldn't run down and yell at the official when he wanted to, and he realized that was the time for him to to stop coaching and just be the owner of the team. But a towering figure. One of the reasons why, you know, we've talked in the past about how it's frustrating that the Bears aren't better, that that city is just so wired to support football. And and George Hallis' legacy – should boost this team just the mere mention of his name should cause the team to be better than it's been and it's just one of the weird conundrums of the nfl that the bears aren't better when you consider what george hallis brought to that organization and brought to that city yeah i I think you're right i mean i think he's maybe maybe greater than lombardi as far as that influence is concerned but yeah it's right up there i think when you think about when I think about the two, you know, prominent head coach figures in the history of football, those are the two that I think come to my mind maybe more than, than everybody else. All right, now this is where I'm stuck between, and, and here I am. I'm just going to talk it out with you. I'm stuck between Paul Brown, Al Davis, 
and and even Sammy Baugh. You know, the, and, and I all right. You know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Al. I'm gonna give Al some love here because I think Al is definitely influential in the, uh, of course, pushing the boundaries of the sport. You know. It just as far as in all ways and making the sport a bigger business, more money, everything that way. And then, of course, his innovative coaching style and everything. He is the modern day, you know, Jerry or the, the, the Jerry Jones or the Robert Kraft, the guy that was kind of steering the league in the right direction. So I'll go with Al Davis as my last pick. I've got names on my list like Art Rooney. Yeah. I've got Al Davis, too. Jerry Jones is on there. I'm going with Pete Rozelle. Okay. Because Pete Rozelle was the commissioner of the NFL from 1960 to 1990. When you think about everything that happened and yeah. how the league ascended and how, as it became more profitable and popular, it could have fractured. You know, the AFL came along. They found a way to absorb it. They found a way to maintain revenue sharing through the TV money that kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They caught and surpassed baseball on his watch. They fought off the WFL. They fought off the USFL. And he, as of 1990, when he handed the reins to Paul Tagliabue, he had everything set up for the league that we now yeah. enjoy 30-plus yeah, years by you. later. Take a break. We'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after this. Dallas Cowboys may be without and will be without James Washington, free agent signed from the Steelers, for a potentially extended period of time. You've got Michael Gallup, who tore an ACL January 2nd. He's going to miss the start of the season. Amari Cooper is gone. They didn't want to pay him $20 million. In hindsight, when you look at what's happened with the market, $20 million kind of a bargain Nothing. right now for an Amari Cooper. The, the, the Cowboys' uh, passing game may be under a little, little pressure, Chris, without James Washington. Definitely. No, no question. I mean, and again, we expect the, 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 the passing game to be the thing that carries the Dallas Cowboys. So now you talk about, you know, no Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. We don't know when we're going to see him. Cedric Wilson's gone and on the Miami Dolphins. James Washington's hurt now. So now it's CeeDee Lamb and enter player that hasn't proven himself yet. And that'll be interesting to see who that guy is that steps up. I know they drafted Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama in the third round. He's a damn, he was a damn good specimen coming out of college. Let's see if he's ready to play NFL football. But, yeah, a little bit of a concern there, Dallas, with their lack of firepower now. Washington has the Jones fracture, the fifth Ooh. metatarsal. I remember Des Bryant had that at yeah. one point. It, it's the kind of thing that can get re-injured. He's out up to ten weeks, so the Cowboys are going to have to make do next man up. As we said, no Michael Gallup as he recovers from the ACL. And uh, it's, it's going to be a challenge for the Dallas Cowboys, who, who seem to have taken a step back based upon where Seems they were like it. last year. But right. they're always optimistic. No, you're right. You never they're know. But on paper, it does they, seem like they've taken a step back. They've lost some players on offense and defense that make you think differently of their team. And they get the Buccaneers week one. So we'll see how they are right out of the gates. That's it for now. We'll see you from Canton tomorrow. Everybody have a great Tuesday. See ya. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 
21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.